Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, prevented presented, excuse me, by Visa, a network <laughs> working for everyone. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston here with you on a Week Three Thursday, guys. Week Three kicking off tonight between the Panthers and the Texans. We've got a whole big bad slate coming up right behind it. A lot of fun games, actually. A lot of marquee games: Chiefs, Chargers, Packers, Niners, Bucks, Rams. A really, really fun. Week three slate. Since Jake's taking a drink of water, Funston, how you doing? What are you looking for? Anything uh, catching your eye tonight, potentially between the Panthers and the Texans? And I'm going to pick up this pen that I just dropped. Um, am I? What am I looking for? Is uh, I mean, no is a fair it, answer, like Jake just said. Uh, I'm not looking. For, <laughs> well, I guess I'm, we're looking at Robbie Anderson. See what's going on with him. I uh, suddenly back to his old Jets ways of 22.3 average depth of target after 9.8 last year with Teddy. It's causing some problems. Yeah. We'll see if they change that narrative tonight. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know. I mean, we're watching the number one pick in fantasy tonight You know, on the national stage. That'll be fun. Davis Mills. Uh, Jake yeah. watching Davis Mills. <laughs> no, to be honest about it, I'm, I, I'm interested mostly Brandon Cooks. Like, I, mm-hmm. I Somebody asked us in the comments, and they said, "Oh, really? You're still this high on Brandon Cooks?" I said, "Let's be honest about it. If you know, if you, I mean, we don't have a huge sample of Davis Mills, we actually right. don't even have a huge sample from college." Yeah. But I said, "If Mason Rudolph, because you're dealing with the Ben situation, I said if Mason Rudolph was the quarterback for the Texans, let's just say that's the case, and we know who Mason Rudolph is, mm-hmm. we still say Brandon Cooks is a wide receiver three, yep. and we've seen how bad Mason Rudolph can be, and that's what I'm saying. Davis Mills." is essentially, at this point, Mason Rudolph. So I'm not overreacting yet. I'm going to be interested to see mostly because, I mean, if they just say, we're going to triple cover him and you beat us with anything else, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that he might turn into having, you know, like a three for 17 line and then we get really frustrated. But I can't bench Brandon Cooks even against the Panthers. And, uh, yeah, Funston, that's part of the reason I, I mentioned this back on a, another show earlier this week is that Robbie Anderson was ready to have a higher panic meter on because I figured they were doing the same thing they were last year until I watched some of the film, which made me go back and look at the metrics and found out that he's third in air yards per target. He's the opposite. He's back to what he was two years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was an every week starter last year when he wasn't that guy with the yeah. jet with the jets. He's, you know, he's like that wide receiver four that you kind of play yeah. around with, you know, <laughs> week in and week out. Well, 43 and a half is his uh, yardage prop tonight on BetMGM, and uh, your main man Mike over here is already in on that going over. So let's do it, Robbie. Let's get some Let's get some yards. Let's get at least 44 yards, and then I don't really care what you do because I don't think I have you <laughs> on any of my other fantasy teams. Let's jump in, guys. Week three rankings. Let's start at the quarterback position. Guys, I've been waiting. I can't remember what the, the draft date was. First round of the draft was a late early May this year because of COVID. Uh, whatever that date was, I've been waiting for this moment since then. Boom. Justin Fields. First start for the Bears at Cleveland. Gets to start in Ohio for his first game. So, uh, you know, that's a nice little uh, added bonus for him there. Jake, what are we feeling about Fields in this start against the Browns? Yeah, if Justin Fields is a QB1, we've been doing this all year long. And the interesting thing that I 
I find is that a lot of people have fields and are like, well, should I start him? Like, this is what we've been waiting for. We've been waiting for Justin Fields. And I drew the comparison to last year's Hertz first start, not when he came in and replaced Wentz, but the start mm-hmm. after that. And he was QB 10 that week because of 100 rushing yards. Now, do I think Fields is going to run for 100 yards every single week? No. But they're very similar in the fact that he should be running for 50, 60, 80 with regularity. And the real situation here is the reason I used Hertz. It's kind of like for people out there before, like, oh, that's lazy. No, the reason I use them is because that's the floor for Fields passing-wise. If you told me, and I've said this a million times, Fields versus Hurts coming out of college, Fields is the better passer. He's more accurate. He's just the better thrower in general. You see already, and he's admitted himself, the pocket presence isn't there. He's actually even missed some of the pressure at times, and that's caused part of the problems. But that's why I bring up Hurts' floor, because they have the similar rushing upside, and we've seen that even with Hurts as bad as he was at throwing at times last year, it was a 50, what, 3%, 54% completion percentage over those four games. He still had two 30-point games because of the ones that he – or 30, 300 yards, almost 30 points in fantasy. So I'm starting fields – and he's in front of Tannehill, and he's in front of other quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and stuff like that. But if you don't want to take the risk, I get it, and at least see one game first. But if I had fields and I'm waiting this long, unless I have a top 10 quarterback, I'm throwing him out there. I'm kind of in the same boat because I have him at QB 14. But, I, you know, I think the point is, well, first of all, we saw him in two quarters, and he ran for over 30 yards, um, and that was an Andy Dalton offense. And, you know, this week you expect them to put in more of a Justin Fields-friendly offense. Mm-hmm. Uh but you look at last week, Jalen Hurts, I think, is a great example. He was 12 for 23, passing for 190 yards and zero touchdowns. But he was fantasy QB 10 because he had 80 rushing yards and a touchdown. And that's that's right in Fields' wheelhouse, I think, yep. for this week. I mean, he may not get anything done in the passing game, but he can get 80 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, that's something that's going to be there for him every week. And Matt Nagy can say Andy Dalton's our starter when he's healthy as much as he wants. You've got Cleveland this week. You've got Detroit at home next week. If Fields looks halfway decent in those games, I don't think we see Andy Dalton starting another game for the Bears this season and maybe ever. Next up on our list here that I want to talk about, Daniel Jones, you guys, a really productive game 10 days ago, or at least a week, a week ago now, but 10 days ago by the time he takes the field on Sunday against the Falcons, did that against a Washington defense that we know is imposing on paper, hasn't quite lived up to that billing just yet this season. Brandon, how are you treating Daniel Jones this week against the Falcons, a game where the Giants are favored by a couple of points? Yeah, the matchup's good. Uh, Daniel Jones is talking about how the run stuff's not – he likes to do it, doesn't want to go away. The team is talking about how the run stuff – they like it, they don't want to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, he has the second most fantasy rushing points at the quarterback position be- behind Lamar Jackson. So uh, he's had plenty of you know games in the past where we've seen the good rushing numbers. I think you have to kind of bake that in now. And I actually have him one spot ahead of uh, Justin Fields this week. I think I look at him similarly, but look at Daniel Jones having a little bit higher ceiling in terms of passing this week. And that's interesting because I'm actually the opposite. I actually think he has – oh, for passing, yeah. Yeah. uh, Overall – I think Fields has the higher ceiling. I think Daniel Jones is the safer play, which is crazy to say. <laughs> and so if you want to go with Daniel Jones, he's another one. For everybody out there, For Fields is at 12, uh, right in front of Rodgers and Stafford, right behind him, Daniel Jones, Tannehill, Cousins, Carr. Uh, yeah, Carr is still just – that's another one. Like, uh, I, I just feel like as soon as we trust Carr, he's <laughs> going to just bite us. But that's the same way I feel about Daniel Jones. It's like we're ready to trust him because what's the real reason? 
it's not even so much the passing. It's that he's been a decent passer, mm-hmm. but it's the rushing. He's right. If he's going to keep running like this, he's essentially, for all intents and purposes, I'm trying to think of like a good comparison. I was going to say the later years of RG three of like 600 yards in a season, not eight, nine hundred, because that's why I wasn't going to say like the Hertz and the Murrays and stuff like that. But you know, Josh Allen, there you go. Sure. It's Josh Allen without the rushing touchdowns, but he's getting the rushing yards. And if he's a mediocre passer, it's the same reason I kept arguing for Jalen Hurts and using Daniel Jones' passing numbers from last year as the baseline. Well, he's been a mediocre passer so far, which is fine because he's running. So Jones is actually the safer floor. And But uh, if it goes wrong for Daniel Jones, it just really goes <laughs> wrong. Go wrong. And that's why, yeah. yeah. The turnovers, the line, they are favored by two and a half, like I said, in this game. We got a, an over-under sitting in, what, like 47 and a half, 48, somewhere right around there. So we could see a high-scoring game in this one between the Giants and the Falcons as well. Always like having your quarterbacks involved in that. Jake, you referenced the next guy I want to talk about, Derek Carr. And the reason why I put him in the show <laughs> is because after what he's done, you know, you're seeing a lot of people starting to trust him through just a couple of games this season. We're talking about a guy with 817 passing yards, uh, better than, what, uh, eight yards per attempt, almost nine yards per attempt, four touchdowns against one interception. But both of you guys sitting pretty comfortably outside the QB1 class. I think you were both at 17 last I looked this morning. So, uh, Jake, what's the case for Derek Carr down at QB17? It's not so much he's down, but yeah, I was talking to Jeff Ratcliffe, and he took the words right out of my mouth. It's the same person I compared it to. Is he's basically our new Philip Rivers. Is at the end of the year he's going to finish like QB eleven, twelve, thirteen, and it's going to be more of like Frank Gore's RB two seasons. He got there by. <laughs> You know, compiling, yeah, staying healthy and compiling the stats over the year. He was always bouncing around that QB ten to QB fifteen range. But if you bounce around that range and then you stay healthy the entire season, you finish there. And it's you know, it's like okay, that's fine. But the biggest concern I have about Derek Carr is he's throwing it more than anybody right now, and he's still only where he is, which is a low QB one, but mostly because of the touchdowns. But is that really going to change? Like, he's, if you're going to really keep throwing 300 yards and get the touchdowns back, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, this is disrespectful and too low. But I just think it's similar to Phillip Rivers. It's like, you know, there's plenty of games where he threw for 300 yards and one touchdown. It comes back, throw for 220 and three. And then he has just his normal 250 and one. And like, it's just, I just, I can't push him higher. I want to, but at the same time, it's just, I feel like we've done this whole game with Phillip Rivers already. Yeah, and, I, and I'm baking in uh, a bit of the Miami Corners matchup as well. I, you know, we saw Brian Brian Edwards yep. and Henry Ruggs are showing out a little bit. Those mm-hmm. guys are legit. I think that that's the best cornerback tandem in the league. And you got you factor in Derek Carr has you know has a little bit of a bum ankle, and Josh Jacobs probably isn't going to play. I'm just kind of right. lowering what we've seen him do. The first two weeks is great. I think we're going to see a little bit something less this week because of all those factors. Don't be um, fooled by the 35 nothing score that the Dolphins uh, fell victim to with the Bills last week. It's not like it was a 35 nothing style of victory that we saw from the Bills a year ago with explosive and efficient play from Josh Allen. It was not that by any stretch of the imagination. So understandable why you guys are a little bit down relative to where he's been this season, I'll say, on Derek Carr for this Week 3 matchup with the Dolphins. Let's do just one more quarterback here. I want to talk about Kirk Cousins for a second. One of the highest totals on the board is Vikings and Seahawks, expecting plenty of scoring. 55.5 is the total on that game. Brandon, our resident Seahawks expert, what are your expectations for Kirk Cousins against that defense? Oh, 275 yards, two to three touchdowns. I mean... Kirk Cousins is the perennial 
guy that finishes as a QB one that we don't want to quite rank as a QB one, but like maybe it's just my jaded Seattle side. I haven't met QB eleven this week because I just don't see him having a bad game uh, against the Seahawks uh, right now. So I think he's just a super solid. Like I said, I think he is just mm-hmm. like two seventy five and two to three touchdowns feels like about as safe as a projection for a quarterback this week as I can get. Maybe the most uh, copy paste Derek Carr. Yep, it's just the same at like a higher level, like a slightly higher level. But with a better, yeah, but with a better scenario this particular weekend than in yeah, yeah, Yeah. a little bit more reliable weapons at every spot except for Darren Waller, and then uh, yeah, just a better matchup as well, and probably a higher scoring environment as well with what we're expecting Russell Wilson and company to be able to do to that Vikings defense. So I think that's I think that's one of the more fun games in Minnesota and uh, the Vikings actually uh, one and a half point underdogs at home in that game. That's going to wrap up our look at the quarterback position. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Running back up next to you guys, and we're going to uh, ping-pong back a few different topics here. I'm going to start with the guy who Jake is higher on than most. Want to hear from you, though, Funston. Jake, that guy is Leonard Fournette, one of the marquee games that I mentioned at the top of the show. Bucks going to L.A. to take on the Rams, where they, too, are road favorites, just like the Seahawks are in Minnesota. What's your case for Leonard Fournette up in the rankings where you have him? It's not that. It's twenty four. It would be You're like six spots river. higher than uh, than consensus. I mean, it's I don't. Definitely... I, I don't give two shits about consensus. You know that. <laughs> I know that, and I know that one touchdown changes that. But I'm just saying, you are you are no, higher no, on. I him meant like, most. yeah, no, no, that's no. fair. So saying, he's saying, saying, why do you like him more than everybody else does? No, but that's what I'm saying. I, I want to make that clear that a consensus. I don't care about it for also the fact that like the. the no, no, no. I met, can I finish my point so everybody can understand? Because consensus isn't updated every single day like I do, and a lot of them wait till Thursday night five yeah. minutes before the game. So the point being is that consensus could be 24 by the time we get to Thursday night football. Fair enough. I wanted to make that clear. <laughs> so anyway, RB24 just really has to do with the fact of he's in the same range of Miles Gaskin and Tyson Williams and those kind of guys. And when you have that kind of a split backfield, Melvin Gordon, too, they're all in the same range. If you have a split backfield, and I never want to trust the Buccaneers running back ever, 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 ever. But at least through two games, Ronald Jones is kind of almost forcing Arians to be truthful because Arians isn't lying with the fact that there is concerns about Ronald Jones. He lies plenty about his running backs. But there's legitimate concern here now. And if I'm going for a split backfield, despite going against the Rams, what do we know? Two things here is one, he's in the best offense of all the running backs I just talked about. Mm -hmm. But two is if you don't want to get Tom Brady killed with Aaron Donald, Ronald Jones is not getting on the field. Like Ronald Jones may see five snaps or touches this week just because you can't get, I mean, Gio might actually be out there more than Ronald Jones this week. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't 
I don't have them ranked nearly as high as you do, but I, I, I agree this is an absolutely terrible week to think about sneaking Ronald Jones into your lineup. Just don't do yeah. it. So watch him get two touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Arians way would certainly lead to a Ronald Jones two-touchdown sort of game. That's that's an awesome game. I'm really excited for that one. I'm sure you guys are as well. Brandon, let's get, let's talk about Javante Williams, someone who uh, at last check you had as RB21. Uh, Broncos taking on the Jets. They're huge favorites. I imagine that has something to do with where your ranking is. But why Javante there? Why so much higher than Melvin Gordon? Yeah, well, First of all, I mean, Javante has been the better running back. I and mean, Melvin Gordon does have the 170 yard rushing touchdown. He's 23 mm-hmm. for 62 on his other 23 carries. So, uh, you know, Javante Williams getting almost a yard more after contact per attempt. And I just, you know, I'm imagining this game and, and the, the workload's been about even, but, you know, this is kind of an implied total of something like 23 to 13 or even yeah, potentially yeah. lower than that. But lower, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Jets can't score, and I'm just kind of I'm trying to work the narrative in my mind that this is going to be a low-scoring game. The Denver defense has the Jets handled, and it's just going to be a lot of you know it's going to be a lot of both of these guys, Gordon and Williams. But I feel like we always talk about this. Javante's been the better running back each of the first two weeks for the most part. Like we expect this evolution to continue of Javante continuing to maybe build his role and eventually take over as the lead guy. And I think this is one of those steps. It's also me. Jake Javante. It's, it's also me factoring in a Javante touchdown. I'm just feeling it. <laughs> just <laughs> no, feeling it. Just, it I, I didn't really think because we've talked about him for the first two weeks is um, Williams over Gordon mm-hmm. on performance, on talent, and everything like that. And yeah, against the Jets it would be the similar as going against the Lions and stuff like that. You might be able to play two pieces of the same backfield. Like if this, we'd be playing Williams and Murray. Right. Hey, look at that. Because of that situation going against <laughs> the Lions, it's a very similar situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get to a situation that we've talked about a little bit. We talked a little bit about Monday. You're going to be playing Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You're going to be playing Ezekiel Elliott. No question about that. Want to hear from both of you on this. I wrote it as more worried about a CEH or Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the Chiefs get the Chargers. Elliott's on Monday night against the Eagles. Let's actually ta- tackle it like this, Jake. Uh, which one of these guys do you feel like needs the – better the more productive game to calm his managers down a little bit check the link <laughs> i finally got to do it <laughs> the worry report in the waiver article ceh has more than ezekiel elliott and it really comes down to now i also included edwards Alaire as a sleeper this week because people might want to bench him but the matchup here is really about the Chargers. I, I mentioned this. The Chargers give up a ton after contact. They are, already have given up 10 plays of 10-plus rushing yards mm-hmm. on the season. Second, there's only one team that's given up 11, Jacksonville. So you look at that. It's a matchup where Edwards-Alaire not being involved in the passing game and not getting the goal line carries where he can put up, hey, let's get him at least 90 yards. And if he doesn't score, doesn't do much in the passing game, at least that's a positive sign. But that's what I'm saying here is that if he doesn't do it this week, it's already at like a three out of five. And if it doesn't happen in this kind of a matchup, when the Chiefs are also giving a good push before he even gets to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. then it's full on. I mean, it, put it this way. If he doesn't finish as an RB2 this week, it's a five out of five. It's We're, we're screaming down the streets. That's basically <laughs> what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I would say, to I, I'm completely – Concur. I mean, Ezekiel is getting goal line carries. He is getting work in the passing yeah. game. That's working out. I, I would say the only thing that most might... routes run, I believe, actually, yeah, uh, in the NFL among running backs is Ezekiel Elliott right now. Now, if Tony Pollard gets a whole bunch more snaps than he had last week, and and, and he's outproducing Ezekiel Elliott again, and Elliott has kind of like a week one kind of performance, 
Like that could get Elliot right back up into the mix with CEH. But I think, uh, yeah, CEH needs to kind of deliver solid yardage and touches kind of a game that gets people excited about him again. Because if he doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, people are going to (laughs) be, people are going to be sky is falling chicken little for sure. (laughs) Brandon, who's an RB outside your top 24 at the position that you want to get into your lineups this week? We're thinking that sort of flex range, maybe not a slam dunk starter in shallower leagues, but that you think should be a starter in shallower leagues. Yeah. Well, he's my RB 25 and I'll just say Tyson Williams. Totally fair. Yeah. Tyson Williams (laughs) uh, against Detroit, as Jake said, the, the Williams Murray both in play here, but you know, Williams has been the guy that's looked the most lively. Uh, This could be a game where they might let him flex that a little bit more. Um, you know, especially if they're sitting on a lead, they may not be leaning on that experience of Latavius Murray quite as much and let and let Tyson Williams cut his teeth a little bit more. But he's been the best looking back, and this would be a great game to get him some more runs. Like handsomest? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, in all ways, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who do you got for this one, Jake? Uh, well, I, kind of, I agree with the Tyson Williams, and we already uh-huh. talked about Javante Williams, so you didn't really leave me anything here. So I'm <laughs> going to kind of, no, no, no. So I'm going to kind of cheat and go against consensus in the fact that my RB23 <laughs> is RB28 by consensus, and it's Mike Davis against the Giants. It really just becomes, it comes down to Mike Davis is still getting the major workload. Yes, Cordero Patterson is a significant piece, but it's not too dissimilar from. These backfields we're talking about right now, actually very much like mm-hmm. the Ravens, except where Latavius Murray is the goal line, you know, pounder. This situation here is Patterson's the pass catcher. But here's the good news. We just talked about it. this Giants game could go sideways for the Giants despite yeah. being favorites. And then all of a sudden, Mike Davis has 20 touches because they are actually in the lead. Now, do we think that could happen? 50-50. But there's the chance for that. And at worst case, he's an RB2. Mm-hmm. Jake, here we got a question for you that I was actually saving for this very moment from Brandon. Would you play Brandon Cooks over Mike Davis? Uh, if you need more upside, but it's definitely the lower floor. There's no question about it. So mm-hmm. it really comes down to wh- what do you want? And that's what I, this is why I did the intro in this week's article about like getting inside my brain. It's a very brief look, but yep. if running back wide go receivers, much, much more than a brief look. No, you Jake's don't want brain. my full brain. <laughs> If the running backs and wide receivers are every close, it's Uh always going to be the running back. You get guaranteed touches. And, you know, some weeks there might be like a ceiling, like Javante Williams guaranteed touches, but we know his ceiling is actually potentially even top 15 because what if he takes over or what if he just looks so great and they just turn to him more? But more often than not, it's just a safer floor. Brandon Cooks just mentioned earlier in the show. I mean, he could legitimately get triple covered Mm -hmm. and come out of this game with almost nothing. So if you don't need that risk, I would just go Davis. Jake, I'm also going to say that you completely blew up the next segment. Make a case for one of the guys I had. Look at this right there. I was going to pull it out of the hat. <laughs> it was going to be super fun. It's Mike Davis. We're still doing it because I love to get to do the little Dave Letterman throw the uh, throw the card at the camera sort of thing. But Jake, you've already had yours, so we're just going to go uh, Brandon on this one. Brandon, mix him up. Please make a case for... Ooh, back in the mix in a good way in week two. Uh, there it is. James Robinson. Make a case for James, James. Robinson. You're, you don't get a turn, uh, wh- Jake. Just just Brandon. That's, hey, that's fine with me. <laughs> well, I would say we were annoyed in, in week one that Carlos Hyde got nine carries. Mm-hmm. At week two, Carlos Hyde was no longer a thing. He was literally almost invisible in that offense. Um, and we saw a nice uptick for... Uh, James Robinson from eight touches in week one to 14 in week two involved in the passing game. That's important. You know, when when they're going to be playing from behind a lot, I think is the spread, what seven Seven and a half right now. 
against yeah. Arizona. I mean, Ar- the pace is good. Arizona plays fast. It's probably going to pull Jacksonville along. I just think that we're at a point like where I ranked James Robinson this week, I think is like RB 23 or RB 24. Like he's the last guy in my rankings uh, that is a clear starter. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I guess Mike Davis is behind him. Mike Davis is still a clear starter as sure. well, but they're, he's kind of in that same camp of like, he's the number one guy and he's going to be out there even no matter what kind of game narrative is going on. And you know, it's, it's just been trending in the right direction with him. And I think the biggest concern was how much is Urban Meyer going to lean on Carlos Hyde? And I think last week kind of quelled those concerns a little bit. They're going to have to put up some points in that game if they have any hope of staying somewhat within reach of the Cardinals. Again, 52 is the over-under. Seven and a half point favorites are the Cardinals in Jacksonville. And love the Mike Davis shout-out as well. Third most routes run among running backs so far this season. And these routes run, a lot of these stats that we referenced come courtesy of True Media, an invaluable source for us here at The Athletic. Let's go head-to-head. Head, you guys, I want to go head to head on Elijah Mitchell because we have a bit of a difference of opinion. Um, Jake, you are higher on Elijah Mitchell, RB sixteen, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then Brandon, you were down at RB twenty four. I was like, I was like ninety percent sure I had the person right. Uh, so Jake, make the pro case for Elijah Mitchell against the Packers. Another one of these big marquee games. This one on Sunday night. Uh, well, a couple things is Packers run defense still not that great. Um, a little bit better than it has been, but still not that great. And it's really, it really comes down to who's touching the ball for the 49ers. Elijah Mitchell at the end. Like, that's really <laughs> all it is. It's just like Trey Sermon's not out there. Jermichael Hasty's out for multiple weeks. Uh, they actually leapfrogged Carrion Johnson with signing Jacques Patrice yeah. and bringing him <laughs> to the roster, who is just a bull. I even mentioned him in the waiver column to yeah. say, like, if you're in a deep league, just take – because he's on the 49ers. That's the only reason. I said if Patrick was signed by the Giants, nobody would give a damn, and rightfully so. But it's he's on the 49ers, and that's why you take the chance on Patrick. But, you know, Trenton Cannon is Trenton Cannon. He's a change-of-pace option and still a middling talent. So – it just comes down to Elijah Mitchell is going to get 70% of the work and any running back, any if it was Patrick and you knew Patrick was getting, <laughs> or true. Jacques Patrice, it was getting 70% of the work, I would put Jacques Patrice as RB17 <laughs> or 16. Uh, so I just, I was going back and looking at our Slack. We got our NFL editor will give us a heads up when he's going to tag something as a fantasy football column on the site. And so yesterday, he sent a message saying, I'm editing a story that has Brandon Ayuk in the headline, fantasy football in the lead, and Trey Sermon in the excerpt talking about there's a chance Trey Sermon could start. And it's, I'm just like this 49ers drama has just been every week so mm-hmm. far in this backfield. You know, Elijah Mitchell's not 100% healthy with the shoulder. If Trey Sermon's clear, it's not inconceivable that Sermon – you know, has a has a decent well, role. Well, if he plays, week. but yeah, I have Trey Sermon completely out That's of my ranks. That's why I'm, I don't think this is a great head-to-head because I'm factoring in a whole bunch of uh, potential whoa, injury. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is a great head-to-head. Get out of here. It's <laughs> it's it's not it's it's near the bottom of your head-to-head calls here, Mike. I'm sorry to tell you, but <laughs> first of all, first of all, don't you ever dare impugn my head-to-head picking skills. That's number one. Secondly, we've got a great one coming up at wide receiver. Thirdly, I love the shout out there. That came from Matt Barrows um, in uh, The Athletic. Matt Barrows covers the, uh, the 49ers for us here. He was also on our Tuesday Beat Writer edition of The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And he did say, like, Brandon Ayuk, don't worry about Brandon Ayuk. So we like that. Uh, and this running back is just... 
while he said that maybe in that column that maybe Trey Sermon does start, he said for right now, you got to assume, assume that Elijah Mitchell is the lead guy when everyone in that San Francisco backfield is healthy. That was 48 hours ago that we talked to him, so maybe things have changed. But in this excellent head-to-head battle, Jake is the high guy <laughs> on Elijah Mitchell. Reasons completely understandable. One more question at the running back position I want to get to from you guys. The running back outside your top 30 that you want to argue into lineups. Who you got here, Funston? Well, I'll throw Cordero Patterson. Um, I, I don't think he's going away, especially this week. Russell Gage is out. Um, mm-hmm. But Patterson's just been so effective. I, Aaron Jones is the only guy that's averaging more fantasy points per touch among running backs with 20-plus touches. And I don't see how Atlanta, who's struggling on offense, can really afford to make Cordero go away. And it doesn't have to be at the detriment of Mike Davis. I've said this before. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a, if you're excited about Tony Pollard, Cordell Patterson is getting more snaps than Tony Pollard, and they're not completely dissimilar. So, like, and, and, and you know, as much as Mike McCarthy's saying Tony Pollard's not going away, they're happy with having both of those guys. I think Atlanta feels exactly the same way. So, so it, it's a matchup with the Giants. I don't hate it. So he's a guy outside my top 30, but I think he has enough upside that he's a nice kind of flex play if you're in a pinch. Yeah, and to jump back to that consensus, uh, I'll yeah. get uh, – Patterson, when I initially did my rankings, was at 36. He's still at 36, but why I bring that up is because he was plus 16 over consensus, and now he's plus 9. It's like already coming around, and that's my point about consensus is like to go back to that and bring it full circle there. Thanks. But Thanks. So you, you didn't really bring you didn't really leave me much here, Funston, because it's like <laughs> Patterson well, was going to be the— Well, I didn't think you were going to go, Cordero, because you you know, you've been like— Poo-pooing, no, no, no. not not on him, but poo-pooing him. Oh, no, I've actually, like, been, I've actually been driving down to Atlanta and just uh, dropping deuces right in front of his house <laughs> and like, setting him on fire. And also, no, I, I continually said the, the reason is Patterson is if you want Naheem Hines, James White, you know, all yeah. the uh, Tariq Cohen when he's healthy, like if you want that, that then fine. But that's why is because people out there are acting like all of a sudden he's a top 20, top 25 running back. And that's mm-hmm. my biggest thing. And it was more so the fact like Mike Davis isn't going away. So I'm still scanning. Uh, Gainwell's in the same conversation if you want to start Gainwell. But here, I'll I'll go really off the board here. Yes. Facing Jacksonville. Yes. If you're throwing a dart for a touchdown. Yes. Make that clear. If you're trying to get a touchdown, James Conner. Gets plenty of work. Yeah, plenty of work. He's still getting the goal line opportunities. Uh, He made things Absolutely frustratingly confusing because he and uh, Chase Edmonds are now six and two with Kyler Murray at number one back. It's just like, thank you for that. But if you're looking for number six, James Conner can hopefully get you six. Hey, you like I did. Uh, Little six from six. James Conner, someone potentially to think about if you're looking outside the top 30 at the running back position. Let's jump on over to wide receiver. I'm going to stick in that game and I'm going to stick with you, Jake. You are um, very high on Marvin Jones, which is characteristic for you, but uh, a little bit higher than we're seeing him uh, from most people. I mean, I guess we can copy and paste the argument you've been making since, yeah. I don't know what, like July on Marvin Jones? Is it Whenever that they signed him. So before, <laughs> no, before that. I mean, it's basically like, what, March? <laughs> yeah. Two touchdowns, touchdowns in both of the first two games. I mean, we have to assume. You know, we've seen Visca get pl- involved plenty. Um, Chark had the touchdown in week one. There's no way to look at Jacksonville's receiving group, though, and not say Marvin Jones is pretty comfortably the number one receiver there, right? Yeah, because everybody got left out except for Marvin Jones last week. And here's the good thing. As bad as Trevor Lawrence has looked, he is throwing the ball downfield. Mm -hmm. He is tops, uh, I think, top three in your air yards per attempt. 
So, you know, if you look at him, you know, like, yes, it's been miserable. It's been ugly. It's not the greatest matchup because Arizona's been getting pressure, and that's part of the issue has been Jacksonville's offensive line and Trevor Lawrence handling the pressure. I mean, honestly, we I think the entire world expected better from Trevor Lawrence so far. But at least he's throwing it downfield, and he's throwing the ball. 50% of them <laughs> might not even be exaggeration of going to Marvin Jones because it wasn't mm-hmm. last week, and this is our exaggeration. So that's really what it comes down to. I think Chark is a nice boomer bust in the same game, and Chenault is the same concern I had in the preseason. He's the third one. He's on the field the third amount of time, which mm-hmm. is a decent gap, just like Claypool. But the difference between Claypool and Chenault is Claypool's at least got the touchdown upside, and right. he's a more complete wide receiver. Makes stuff happen down the field. Is, yeah. Chenault's kind of in the Rondell Moore conversation and a worse offense. And when he's on the field, the touches aren't like when the Cardinals put more on the field, it's almost like there's a 50 50 chance this play <laughs> is for more. Yeah. When Chenault's on the field, it's just no guarantee the ball's even coming his way. Nothing to add. You know how I feel about Marvin Jones. Oh, we know how you feel about Marvin Jones. We also know how you feel about Tyler Boyd, who I'm going to guess without seeing anyone's, I feel comfortable saying that you are probably the only person who does this whole fantasy ranking game, Funston who has Boyd as the number one Bengals receiver this week. You have him stacked, at least what you sent me last night. You had them all stacked. Boyd, can't remember who was second, but it was Boyd, Chase Higgins. We know Higgins is dealing with a bit of an injury, but uh, no matter what, it seems like Boyd is your number one Bengals receiver this week against the Steelers. Why? Uh, well, because he he's kind of bad. Like the nine, the nine targets, the seven catches, the 73 yards, that was like the Burrow line – just week in and week out last year. I went back and looked. Eight of his 12 games with Burrow, he's had six or more catches, eight or more targets. Um, Burrow's comfortable throwing to him. And I just look at this matchup, you know, with with him in the slot against Cameron Cameron Sutton, I just think that's the best matchup for this Cincinnati passing game against this defense. I think it's going to be uh, working that underbelly. So I just feel like the 773 line's probably a replicable line. Um, I think, you know, there's a good chance that Chase or Higgins is going to outdo him. But if I but I don't know which one that guy is going to be. It's going to take like maybe a big play or a touchdown to make it happen, but I just if I'm just going for the guy I think it's going to be the most targeted, I think it's Tyler Boyd and I'm going to rank him that way. Yeah, it's uh we'll have to watch what goes on with T Higgins over these last couple of days of practice cuz obviously that changes things up for Tyler Boyd, for Jamar Chase, both would be slam dunk plays and what could also be a pretty low scoring game. Jay Morrison was also on that uh, beat writer episode earlier this week. Jay covers the Bengals for us and was talking about the slower pace that the Bengals have been playing offensively than what we were expecting coming into the season and the fact that there's reason to believe this is a much better defense this year with what Pittsburgh's offense has done. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger doesn't play in this one. Could see a low scoring, slow paced game between these two teams, but that would not make guys like Tyler Boyd or Jamar Chase ones that should be on your bench. I don't think Debo Samuel should ever be on your bench with what we've seen from him the first two weeks of the season. And now again in this game Sunday night against the Packers, obviously he's starting, but I mean, Brandon, what what, what does he look like the rest of the season? Even if Brandon Ayuk gets back, are we talking about a guy with wide receiver one potential all season long? And I want to hear from you on this too, Jake. Uh, you can you can line him up, line him up anywhere. He's basically a running back in a receiver's body. He leads the league in yards after the catch. Um, he's getting targeted a ton. And Kyle Shanahan's come out this week and said, "Look, at we're not specifically trying to target Debo this much, but we have no problem if Garoppolo's making mm-hmm. you know 
making respectable throws. Like we're not going to tell him that he has to target other people. Um, you know, and, Gar- and Garoppolo's come out and said Ayuk's going to be fine and, and all that, but like just follow the volume. And we we already knew Debo was a it was a really good player. He just had a hard time staying healthy. But when he's been out on the field, he's been very good. So I don't think there's going to be this disparity between the other receivers and even George Kittle going forward. But I don't. as long as he stays healthy, Debo's not going away. He's too big of a weapon. And clearly, Jimmy Caroppolo likes him an awful lot. Jake, actually, before you say something, do you remember, by any chance, you're in my uh, side bet from our summer, one of our summer shows on Ayuk and Samuel? Yep. You, you're, you're, I mean, it's all, it's already over. I feel like, I feel like you already won. <laughs> no, no. And, but yeah, this is, it was, I, you, this, it was, I had, I had, I you getting 1.5 targets more per game than Samuel. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's definitely not over. And <laughs> we, we did include like, you know, similar games played, but so, but this is where, you know, somebody with the Damien Harris thing, I think I referenced it on last week's show is like how you can go from buy low to sell high to buy low. And st- it can change week to week. Mm-hmm. I kind of, mm, when you said like, he's always going to be guaranteed to be in that range, I think still for now, but I'm not going to be surprised that this is all of a sudden they're back to back and they're very close in week in and week out. Um, Ayuk versus Samuel kind of, I would compare it to the team we just talked about. If there was only two wide receivers, I would kind of compare it to T Higgins versus Tyler Boyd. If there was only two Tyler Boyd being Debo Samuel and Ayuk being T Higgins, more touchdown upside, bigger plays, the more reliability going to the guy that's like Boyd and Samuel. And you guys know, I love Debo Samuel. I joked about that. I hated that. He had a stupid answer when I asked him at the combine, but I would still love the player, (laughs) but I think this is going to become closer. And why I kind of heard is because also Travis Kelsey or Travis Kelsey, George Kittle is at the lowest target share he's been in four years. He's down mm-hmm. at 20%. This is a guy who usually hovered around 28 to 30, 31%, and that's with Debo. So I just worry that Kittle gets a little bit more involved. His team start to respect Debo more. Ayuk gets back more involved. So for one week, I'm with you, but I think this is going to start being a very tight-knit group going forward. Jake, we got one question here. 30 seconds, only you. Sorry, Funston. We got to keep things tight here. Uh, pick two for Flex Pollard, James White, Mike Davis, Marvin Jones, half PPR. What do you got? Davis and Marvin. Easy. Davis and Marvin. Doesn't even give, give him three seconds, and he's through it for sure. Funston, was there something you wanted to add there on Debo Samuel before we move on? Uh, no, I started the Debo Samuel. You threw it to me first. Well, so. it just looked like you were about to start saying something. I thought maybe you wanted uh, to rebut yeah, what It did Jake look like saying. you were about to. It did yeah. look like you had something on your Okay, <laughs> I was going to say I have one league left where I have uh, waiver priority over fab. I can't get my mm. guys to change it. Yeah. and. I was number two this week, and the number one guy, we both put in claims for Michael Carter, but the guy that got Michael Carter dropped Brandon Ayuk. And so I used my number one waiver claim on Ayuk. Yes. Like I, don't, I was thinking in my head, like in a 12-team competitive league with decent-sized benches, I don't know if there's going to be a better player than Ayuk to come across for me. So I, I was willing to spend it. Maybe one time we're back in the discussion where Brandon Ayuk would fit here. A uh, wide receiver three that you want to start. Who do you got? Let's go. Let's let Jake take this one first. Wide receiver uh, three. You want to start? I wasn't even prepared. I was just trying to. I'm trying to I multitask know. and answer. I'm answering questions here. I'm answering questions at the same time of this show. Uh, do <laughs> Do I get to go by consensus on this one? You because can go by whatever your heart says is right, Jake. Because I have him at 34, and for consensus, they have him at. 
quick math, 73. <laughs> oh, no, Beckham's back. Like, oh, oh, you took my guy. You took my guy. I mean, it's just so easy. Like, this is, and I, I'm jokingly put, like, that is going to not be yeah, the number yeah, that'll be up to, at, yeah, up at when everybody updates yeah. their rankings uh-huh. and all that type of stuff. But then, again, that's why I bring it up. Nobody's ranking him at 73. But I find it interesting because a lot of people are out there, like, should I go pick up Demetric Felton because he's looked good and, you know, they might run him some of that slot? Yeah. No, Anthony <laughs> Schwartz is there. Donovan Peoples Jones is there. It, it doesn't matter because it's one wide receiver you can trust, and Odell Beckham's back. This is uh, who was who was Nando's guy there last year? The running back. Oh my god, totally blanking. That, oh, oh, he liked the running uh, back on that team. Yeah, yeah the uh, uh, Johnson was it Johnson? Yes, the, no. something Johnson. Oh my god, I'm embarrassing Ernest, myself. The Ernest, the Ernest, Ernest, Johnson? Ernest Johnson. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a, I get a little that vibe from Demetric Felton. Who do you got here, Funston? Wide receiver three that you want to start. Uh, well, I wanted to say Odell. I mean, because, you know, he's a wide receiver that Baker Mayfield knows. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to target his tight ends 12 out of 21 pass <laughs> attempts with Odell back there. Plus, I drafted him late in a couple teams, and I want to actually use the guy. So there you go. I will say him. I would also say Slam it down. maybe maybe like Juju. I, Deontay Johnson's got the knee issue. Who knows if he's going to play, how healthy he's going to be. That thought. I think- Hold that thought. Hold that thought okay. on Juju because we're going to get to him in just a second. Let's get to make a case uh-huh. for. Make a face. case for. We got some random dudes in here. While you're, while you're looking for that, Odell Beckham just said, we'll see if he's available this week because Uh-oh. Odell Beckham's oh, being Odell Beckham. Because he's afraid of the head-to-head matchup with Jalen Johnson that he's got looming uh, against, <laughs> uh, against the Bears this week. I mean, they're not probably not going to shadow, but, you know, whatever. All right, Funston, you're here first. Make a case for. Devontae Smith. De- Ugh. Interesting. Uh, I have just my- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he's coming off a two-catch game, but he is the clear, and we've talked about this, and Jake talked about it a lot as well, kind of along lines of Brandon Cooks. Like, he is going to be the guy that leads this team in targets, not even going to be close. Mm-hmm. And so far, he's four targets ahead of the next highest guy, which is Jalen Rager. He has 15. You know, he's... He's 31st among receivers in targets. He's one target away from being 22nd, but it's Dallas. Um, It's a team that's given up four 90-yard receivers, and if this game has got a – I think the total is like 52. If it's going to be a high-scoring plus 50-point shootout and they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, then I want Devontae Smith out there. And, yeah, I understand it could be a little bit volatile given Jalen Hurts' deficiencies as a passer, but – like you take your chances with the expected volume that Devontae Smith is going to bring to the table. All right, Jake, we got one for you here. Make a case for. Let's see who is this? Who is this? Oh, this is a fun one. This is a fun one because I, I don't know if we know who his quarterback's necessarily going to be this week, but it is Michael Pittman. I don't care who his quarterback's going to be because <laughs> Michael Pittman, the number one, all the overreaction to week one was right out the window. I am mildly okay with ODU's own Zach Pascal, too. What are you putting the hat on for? What, what, hat what is, is that, that hat? Uh, this is a uh, basketball thing I do here in Chicago. It's called, well, it used to be called Hoops <laughs> Link. It's called Swish House now. <laughs> just kind of random timing to throw <laughs> yeah, that hat. It's just like, does Very it have to do loop, with Michael Pittman? Lou like, Pinella-esque. <laughs> <laughs> they totally threw me off there. But yeah, you said you're Zach a, Pascal, too? Not, to a degree. Uh, mm. Pascal's going to be lower, uh, mostly because if we, you know, if it's Eason, 
we don't know that he's going to look at the reason Pascal has an advantage of most weeks as a wide receiver four is because Wentz looks to him. Like I, yeah. I drew the comparison on Monday is it's similar to Adam Thielen. He just, he has his eye went in the red zone. He's not doing a whole lot outside of that, but Pittman's the number one. Easton's got a bigger arm than Wentz at this point in the career mm-hmm. and a little bit more aggressive. I would say you got the Jameis Winston situation here, but like old, not the Jameis Winston only throwing for 150 yards, like old Jameis Winston where, you know, he could throw 300 yards, three touchdowns and four interceptions. He could also go out there and throw 150 yards and three interceptions. You just have a miserable day. But in that case, Michael Pittman is a wide receiver three. I'm still willing to gamble. Yeah. It's uh, man, I just want, we want to see a little more. I want to see more juice out of the indie offense as a whole because you know, very high on Michael Pittman coming into the season. We need a, just a little bit more, a little bit more to feel good about that offense. I think we're going to get a little bit more out of both of these guys this week. You're starting Allen Robinson. You're feeling great about Justin Fields being in there. You're starting Robert Woods. That's not a question. Who has the better week funds in between these two guys? Well, I think I actually have I have Woods twenty one and Robinson twenty two. So like I'm I, I'm I'm probably going to vacillate <laughs> on this a little bit, you know. Um, I would say Robinson has a higher ceiling and and Woods has a better floor. Um, and you know you might you always get the the potential for some rushing numbers out of Robert Woods as well, but. You know, this could be a, a rough week for Justin Fields throwing the ball, and it might just be a work in progress in that department. And Allen Robinson's best days are going to be maybe weeks down the road. So I would probably lean Robert Woods just because of the safety factor this week. Jake, who's got the better week between these two? Mm, they're 20 and 21 for me. <laughs> I just I agree Whoa, with Sunstein. Look at that. <laughs> if you want safe, it's Woods. If you want upside, it's Allen Robinson. I completely agree. There you go. And, yeah, it'll be fun to see Justin Fields play four consecutive quarters and what that means. Put that one right in the arms of Allen Robinson last week. Would have been a 40, 45-yard touchdown, something like that. Went through the arms of Allen Robinson as well. Funston, I told you to wait, to hold that thought on Juju just a couple of minutes ago. It's because it's our wide receiver head-to-head. Juju Smith-Schuster against the Bengals. A little bit of a difference of opinion between you guys on Juju. Funston, since you already started, why don't you take this one away first? Yeah, he's been reasonably targeted 15 times, the same as Devonta Smith. Um, I, you know, eye test wise, he's he's looked pretty good. He's still getting used in a very short range area, um, but I think with the Deontay, I, I, this is a little bit hedging on the Deontay Johnson knee injury. We'll see if he plays or if he plays much, if he's limited. Um, so I think I'm kind of sort of factoring that in, baking that in. Probably why I'm mm-hmm. a little bit higher on Juju than Jake is. It's there's a lot of this is to <laughs> bail out like Funston did earlier. It's just Ben not a hundred percent. Is mm-hmm. he going to play? Is he not going to play? If he tries mm-hmm. to play, he's going to be banged up. Deontay Johnson, he's banged up with a knee two weeks in a row. Sounds like he should be okay. And if this is like if Ben was fine, if Deontay Johnson was fine, you know how I feel. It's Deontay Johnson, and then right. mix and match, try to figure out who's it going to be any given week between Claypool and Juju. So. Don't hate Juju. Just, just there's a lot of things falling into place here with this game. So that's why I say I'll update the ranks all the way until Sunday morning, 1 p.m. Yeah. I literally, legitimately usually finish at like 12:30 and then answer questions mm-hmm. up to one o'clock. Pittsburgh's yeah, sort of definitely yeah. there's Pittsburgh's sort what? of the AFC version of San Francisco right now, where there's some mm-hmm. things kind of yeah. hanging in the air at wide receiver. Yeah. yeah, right, right. So let you know in a world where Roethlisberger does start and Deontay uh, is also if they're both playing, where uh, where's Juju for you, Jake? Mm, where does he play? I mean, I could tell. I have them all playing right now. Mm-hmm. So, wait, were you saying if Deontay's out, or were you saying if Deontay, Deontay's Deontay in? in and Roethlisberger does play. 
Oh, okay. That's how I have him right now. And I have Deontay Johnson just because I'm concerned that Ben Roethlisberger isn't 100% trying to play through an injury. So I have Juju at 39, and I have Deontay at 33. I don't have a single. They're all in the 30s. I don't have a single Pittsburgh wide receiver in, uh, inside the top 30 just because I, I, it just yeah. feels like a mess this week. Again, reason to think that that could be a low-scoring, slow-paced sort of game, no matter who's playing quarterback for the Steelers. Najee Harris. Najee Harris time definitely could be the case. What about a wide receiver three that you guys don't want to play this week? Jake, take this one first. Ooh, I mean, can we, I, I, I don't really want to play any, Claypool. You can't do any. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's good. We haven't talked about him. I was going to say you can't do any Steelers, but yeah, we haven't talked about Claypool. So I I, again, this, he's the one that I'm always going to leave out because he's touchdown reliant. And that's the, he's the, well, not even just that. He's also on the field. They run a lot more too wide this year. That was the yeah. co- the entire talk this offseason was the fact that now they have Najee Harris, the three wide is not going out the window, but it's almost been cut in half. And if you're out there, it's similar to Chenault, but I, I brought up that earlier. If I'm going to take Chenault versus Claypool, I am going to take Claypool every single time. He's in front of uh, Chenault by a decent gap. Uh, actually, he's even in front of DJ Chark, who's the number two. Mm-hmm. So it just really comes down to I don't want to start him because it's a gamble, but if you're in that range of a gamble, and I'm like, I'll put it this way. You know how much I don't like Kenny Galladay right now. I'd still right. start Kenny Galladay in front of Claypool. Yeah, the the guy I don't want to start, and I'm not sure I'd go through with it now. And I've been trying to, you know, knock him down is Brandon Cooks. And look at the guy's got 21 targets. You don't sit a wide receiver that gets 10 targets per game on average. Like it, mm-hmm. you just don't do it. But it's David Davis Mills, and I feel like I'm like I'm knocking on the same door I was trying to knock on last week, which was you know, oh, this is going to be a down week. You know, it was kind of fluky the way Cooks got his numbers in week one. And uh, whatever volume one out week week one and week two it didn't really matter. And now I'm trying to say, oh, Davis Mills is the quarterback. Well, Davis Mills doesn't have a bad arm, and it's not mm-hmm. like somebody else is going to be the huge volume leader with with Davis Mills in there. It's still going to probably be Brandon Cooks. So, like, I'm trying to talk myself out of Brandon Cooks, knowing that I could just be wrong on volume once again. Disco Dave, appreciated in this from you guys. Nice to hear the thought process. Nice of you to join us, Disco Dave. Thank you very much. I want to get in the question here, too. This one coming from Aussie Oracle. Uh, since we're talking about the Steelers, trade away Najee Harris for Steph Diggs. You see the uh, league requirements there. What do you say on this one, Funston? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously you're doing it because you have a need at wide receiver. I mean, it's a, from a, you know three weeks ago, this is a probably... A, a, it's a draft day debate. It's a draft day debate, but... Probably more often than not, Diggs was going a little bit higher than Najee, but they're on the same level, and they both, you know, they had. You could say they both had questionable starts, some good, some bad. Um, I think it's a perfect deal. It's a it's a trade for need. So if you have that need at wide receiver, that's a that's a fair deal. Always a good time to be looking at the trade discussion two weeks into the season. <laughs> that's what I think about it. What's no because. No, this is why, in general, like it, only because I'm going through so many comments yeah. in the waivers and the ranks this week of people asking about trades. And uh-huh. stop trying to trade away running backs. Like, stop. It's yeah. week two. I don't understand why so many people are willing to give up running backs already. And I see a lot of people, and I'm just putting this out there for the thought process of everybody because we just, you know, Disco Dave was like, thanks for the thought process. Funston is not wrong in the value of the trade. But mm-hmm. I'm not trading away an RB1, and Najee Harris is an RB1. I actually wouldn't trade a top 14 if you want to go look at my running backs this week. Anybody in the top 14 of running backs, unless I get bowled over, because 
it's just such a thin landscape already. I mean, look at what we're talking about with San Francisco. Look at what we're talking about with Baltimore and everything. And I see people are like, oh, I have Chris Carson in my flex, and my backups are Latavius Murray and Tony Pollard. And, like, should I trade Carson for blank? And I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> stop trying to give up your running backs. And I, I understand it. And sometimes, even though, like, let's say Carson for digs, sure, you are getting the better player, no question mm-hmm. about it. But you have to understand what you're doing to your running back situation. And is the increase at wide receiver really offsetting what you're adding risk-wise at running back? So I completely agree with Funston in a vacuum, sure. (laughs) But I just stop trying to trade away running backs already. Yeah, it's uh, always a dicey proposition when you give away a locked-in starting running back, as Najee Harris is. But hey, it's what we're here for. Talk all these things through for you. Definitely happy to do that part of the job as well. One more question for you guys, and thankfully, it's not at the tight end position. I want to look ahead to Monday. You guys, we know, we'll be uh, getting back together on Monday to talk about what we saw in week three. Jake, what's Monday's fantasy headline? No, no, no. Go to Funston first. I want to write mine. We haven't used the freaking blackboard yet. I'm writing mine on the blackboard. Funston, what's Monday's fantasy headline? Get a blackboard also, you loser. Uh, I have a blackboard, but you didn't tell me to use it. So, and Jake needs time, so I can't write while Jake's writing. So, uh, let's go with Saquon Barkley is back. How about yes. that? How about Saquon Barkley goes over 100 yards from scrimmage, scores a touchdown, gets a bunch of volume. Um, I think he's he's set up for it to happen. I'm not saying it is absolutely going to happen, but it's very conceivable. I had to add to my writing because. <laughs> yes. I like your blackboard. That's pretty cool. For those of you who aren't, aren't watching this on uh, on YouTube, it said Barkley is back. Screw you, Funston. Is what Jake wrote. Oh, who needs I, mean, I was I was writing the word back as Funston said it. All right, so I will say that I'll, I'll give you a second one. The buy low window on Jonathan Taylor is closed. Closed after this week uh, with the Colts. Uh, who they've got? Um, we already talked about. And, and, oh, yeah. and, let's, and let's be Titans. honest. I mean, Justin Fields. If he if he's good, that'll be a, that'll be one of the lead headlines as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I'll, sure. You know what? I'll give you a I'll give you a bad one too. Oh man, Let, yeah, let's, let's let's roll the headlines. Let's do it. <laughs> Keep it going. Because of the matchup, is Zeke droppable? You're gonna get people. Like oh, <laughs> yeah. he's Oof. he's facing the the Eagles defense, the run defense. Mm-hmm. So there's a legitimate concern there. But no, look. I say that jokingly, but I mentioned this yesterday, and I wasn't trying to call this person out, but not everybody is experienced. And I'm not even talking about like our level Have or been, been in the league for 20 <laughs> I'm talking low-level experience because I had this legitimate question in the comments. I'm not, don't go to this person. Don't call me. Like, seriously, people are new. Some people are mm-hmm. just starting to play yep, fantasy yep. football. But I said, should I trade Antonio Gibson for Alexander Madison because I own Cook? And Gibson's been concerning. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, like, this is why we always say uh, people are like, not my league. Well, this is why you try to take advantage of overreactions all the time. And not everybody knows. Like, people are inexperienced. People are casually playing in some leagues. So that's why I jokingly said there's going to be people out there. If Zeke has a bad game against the Eagles, it's going to be like, oh, should I drop Zeke? <laughs> yeah, um, no. The answer, the answer to that would be no. So we just gave guys for one fantasy headline. You guys just gave us like four fantasy headlines and opened up the door for me to drop a Jimi Hendrix song lyric in. And <laughs> that's not the way to end a show. I don't know what is. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod if you are not yet an athletic subscriber and get yourself that first year 
for 50% off. For Brandon Funston and Jake Seeley, I am Michael Beller. Good luck and this Barkley. weekend. And Barkley making a surprise <laughs> appearance at the end. For Barkley as well, I am still Michael Beller. Good luck this weekend. Good luck tonight. If you've got anyone in Panthers and Texans, the three of us are back with you on Monday to look back at what we saw in week three. Let's all go out and get some dubs this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.